welcome to Flyers AD. Here it is Wednesday, March 1, 2023 here. Our pre-trade deadline slash post-trade deadline show. We were originally going to wait till after the trade deadline on Friday, but with each hour that passes, the hope continues to fade. So we thought, well, what the fuck? Why, why, why wait when we can do it now when, uh, you know, nothing much is going to happen? We do have a show. Uh, Mike and Manny will be back on Friday night to um, have our post-trade deadline show. So we'll talk. You know, when JVR gets dealt for a seventh-round pick six years from now, um, on, 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 you know, Friday at uh, 2.59 p.m. We'll talk about it then, but for now, Anthony, you and I are here to, uh, you know, predict the future when it's uh, relatively bland. Well, I mean, it's like you said kind of before we started recording here is that if you were realistic and honest about what the Flyers were going to do and what they're going to get for the trade deadline, no one should really be shocked here. Like, I mean... I know everyone likes to blame Chuck Fletcher for everything under the sun, and most of the time I think that's accurate. I think it's fair, but like I don't think it's Chuck Fletcher's fault that JVR is playing like ass. You know, like I, I don't think it's his fault that teams aren't fucking lining up to give up a second round pick for a guy who has two points going back to January 26th. So, I mean, if you were honest about yourself and you looked at the other players going for significant hauls this time around, I mean, you realize that the Flyers didn't really have many that attracted like that kind of interest. You know, most of them are rentals. There were some defensemen with term that did get moved in Matias Ekholm and Jake McCabe, but both of them had salary retention. And in the case of McCabe, it was 50%. And I don't think the Flyers are in the market to retain money on Sanheim or to a much bigger extent, Ivan Provorov. So, I mean, I think we all knew that the bigger moves would probably come in the summer. And that's what we're gearing up towards. Now, I, I still think they'll probably walk away with a couple of fourth round picks or whatever. But, I mean, if we are being honest with ourselves from the beginning, I think this is what we were all kind of expecting. Yeah, I cannot say I'm overly surprised that JVR, Patrick Brown, and Justin Braun have not drawn significant trade interest. Um, it is rather frustrating to watch literally every other team across the league sell their players and all the buyers to be buying their players while Chuck Fletcher sits around with his metaphorical thumb up his metaphorical ass. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's only uh, so many... If nobody's lining up to buy your product, it's uh, hard to sell that product. And, you know, it's not directly Chuck Fletcher's fault, but this guy doesn't have much rope left, um, but with myself or anybody else for that matter, so... He's, he's going to take the heat on this one, and after his um, botching of the organization over the last, well, five years now, um, no, no, I don't think anybody's really feeling sorry for him that uh, he's struggling to sell his wares. Well, and that's completely fair, right? And I, all I've basically said is, like, you've been upset because you just disagree with the organizational philosophy of a rebuild, which is fine and it's genuine. But, like, if you look at it, you take Chuck Fletcher's face out of this, and you look at this from just a rebuilding standpoint what they've done since the summer more or less i guess save for tony d'angelo like has it not basically been what most people have been clamoring for you know <laughs> this is i could just rant about this one for an hour but last year when everyone's clamoring for a rebuild but simultaneously demanding av get fired because he's losing too yeah. many games 
you know, a lot of that has happened here. You want to rebuild Chuck Fletcher's presser, which we'll get into here. You know, he did not use the word rebuild, but it sure fucking sounds like that's the direction they're going to take. They're rebuilding. Sorry to cut you off, but I got a text yesterday after that media availability, and they said more or less like, we're not going to spoon feed it to you, but draw, connect the dots of what Torts has said with the letters, what he said with like Jason Bertitis on Flyers Daily, what Chuck said yesterday. They're rebuilding. So continue yeah you know they again did not use the direct word but if you can put the pieces together it's there i completely lost my train of thought what the hell were we talking about <laughs> well because we were talking rebuilding about like, yeah. yeah so selling the uh the flood you know you everyone wants a rebuild you want to tank you want to rebuild you want to do whatever but nobody wants to get the footwork to do that right and further on in a rebuild and again, we'll we'll touch upon this presser as we go along here, but the fans don't want to trade Konechny, and they don't want to trade, uh, you know, Provorov and all this guys. If you don't want to trade Konechny, then you don't want a rebuild. Konechny is your only player of fucking value on this entire team, and this team's not going to be good for the remainder of his contract. Trade him. Get some assets back and move the fuck on with your life. What, how can you clamor for a rebuild, but you don't want to move any of these players? It's not a rebuild. It's fucking ridiculous. I just, oh my God, this fan base. Fan base drives me nuts more than anything else beyond this entire thing. The Flyers have just cut off my balls and the fan base is jumping on them. God damn it. Well, and, you know, I, I like here, like... There were a lot of, like, quotes about Chuck that I think got, like, ripped out of context yesterday. Like, he mentioned, like, the like the fifth most improved team by points percentage. But then he followed it up immediately by saying, it's not good enough. Like, that's nice, but it's not good enough. And, like, look, th there's enough evidence here that if you say that I don't tr trust Chuck Fletcher to do this rebuild, I, I can see that, of course. Like, I completely understand that thought process. But if you're just going to look at in a vacuum what's been going on the last month, it's like you said, everyone wants a rebuild. Everyone wants them to do exactly what they're doing, but they don't want to live through it. It's just like, oh, this team's shit. Oh, they don't even know how to be bad. And it's just like, well, you know, you look at last season around this time when they were kind of at the forefront of the trade deadline. And I'll actually ask you this. I've talked about this behind the scenes with some people, but do you think it's because Last year at the deadline, they were at the forefront with Giroux that, like, everyone just kind of, like, expected them to be there again. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you have Giroux and, and Braun, who was significantly better last year than he was this year, you know, a couple of those um, higher priority trades and whatnot, um, it definitely probably set the bar a little higher going into this year when you've got JVR, who sucks, and Braun, who's 700 years old. You know, it definitely... But we do uh, love Justin Braun. I do love Justin Braun. I respect the hell out of Justin Braun, but holy fuck, he looks every bit of 36 years old right now. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's a much different situation this time of year than it was last year at this time. Yeah. So, like, it's just, like, I think we had to be a bit realistic, but I also understand that people's vitriol for Chuck Fletcher has blinded their ability to be rational, right? Like... It's like, short of saving world hunger, this guy, no matter what he says, is going to be ripped apart. You know, it's just... And I understand that he did this to himself. And I do think that... I believe Anthony Sanfilippo wrote something about it. It's just like, why did it take him until now to kind of communicate well? You know what I mean? Which is weird, because, like, you have said, like, prior to his heel turn last summer, wasn't communication one of his stronger suits? 
Yeah. You know, there was a lot of times before last year and the whole, it's a rebuild, Charlie, a retool, Charlie, whatever the fuck it was. And then the aggressive retools and blank checks and all that wacky shit, you know, the last 13 months or so. Before that, the one thing Fletcher had going for him was the fact that every time he talked to the media, it always seemed like he knew what was going on. When he would talk about redundancies in the lineup and needing to be good and addressing certain roles. Like, there was a lot that he said through his first few years that always made sense. So even when the on Ice product was staggered, you know, he always had that kind of calming voice in the room. And then, of course, he did what he did in the last couple of years, and he's trying again this year. The problem is it just doesn't hold any fucking weight anymore. You lost everybody's right. trust with the way you did the last 13 years. Now nobody's going to believe you this time, right? And it was the boy who which cried wolf. Fair. Which, which is, is fair. fair. You know, it, it's just, it It may be, what is, what does a rebuild even entail right now? And I think this is an important question to take away from all this, because he mentioned guys like Farabee and Tippett and whatnot as kind of being untouchables, right? But if a bulk of this raw, eight of your 13 forwards are under 25 years old right now, that's pretty goddamn good, and you got Brink and Forrester coming this way, hopefully by before the end of the season. So if you got a primarily young roster, and a lot of your veterans are old, expensive pieces of shit that you're not going to be able to move one way or the other... This roster stays primarily intact, and then you clamor for a rebuild, and now they're going down that route, which means they're not going to sign anybody during the offseason. And, of course, Larkin just signed his contract. I'll touch on that one in a minute. But uh, the free agent pool is now off-limits. If this roster stays the same, and the free agent, you're not going to add outside talent to this team and just draft at fucking random positions like eighth overall, isn't that the exact same fucking thing this organization has been doing for ten years now? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely... This isn't a rebuild. It's the exact same thing, just with a fresh branding on it. Last year, it was stabilization. This year, we're in a rebuild, not rebuild. But it's the same fucking approach, right? They're not going to sell off Konechny, right? They're going to go to the... I think you're going to have to trade Provorov just because that situation is boiling over in other ways. But you're not trading Konechny. You're not going to trade Provorov. You're not going to, you know, go sign some massive player or make a big giant trade. You are just going to keep this team status quo together as close as possible and go into next season the exact same team they are now. That's not a rebuild! That is sticking the course of this bullshit middle ground they've been in for the last decade. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the reason they're so resistant to use the word rebuild is because everyone equates rebuild to rip it down to the studs and start again, kind of like Ottawa, Chicago, Arizona, all that they're doing a a rebuild. But I think what it's because you're just pissing away time and hoping your draft picks develop. Yeah. I mean, you're, I think the rebuild, a lot of it is from the culture standpoint, which I think we could all agree did need a, a refreshing, in a lot of ways. And I think for them, they value fixing your culture and betting on what you have more than trying to tank for a generational talent. And, you know, that could go either way. Like you could go Toronto where they spent one year tanking and they did everything they could to tank and it resulted in Austin Matthews and he changed everything along with Marner and Nylander and everyone else. But he was the crown jewel. But you could also look at it for Buffalo, who did that for three years and still got good players, but basically had to like rebuild again on the fly because of the culture was so toxic. So I I see both sides of the coin and they do have some good talent here. Like you could speak to this better than anyone. Isn't this one of the more exciting Phantoms teams ever? 
Well, like in our lifetime, let's say. Since about uh, 2017 in Lehigh and, and probably dating back to their days in Philadelphia otherwise, yeah. So they, they do have talent there. Like you have Forster, you have Brink. I, despite it was a 7 nothing shit kicking, I did like what I saw from Ben Y.A. Like, how can they say that they want this fucking, this is a whole different rant, but how can they talk about getting the Phantoms to the playoffs? And then call up Danoye and Lexel. At least Danoye's Lexel is like scratched fucking again. Yeah. Why? How can you? Per- mm, those are your top two players in Lehigh, and you're going to call them so Danoye can play on the third pair with Nick Delore and Patrick Brown, and fucking Ali Lexel can sit for his fifth consecutive game or whatever it is. God, well, it that, drives me nuts. That I do think it's kind of. Like, I think that's kind of like a torch thing where, like, I do think maybe... He's, he's in the Zamula boat. Lexel has fallen directly into the Zamula boat of, we like you, we want you to practice with the team, but we don't actually trust you to play. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I guess there's some purpose to that, but this was a point-per-game guy in Lehigh as their top-line left wing. And yeah, now and he's I, been playing five minutes a night in the NHL when he's playing, and he's scratched most of the time. Doesn't make and any I, goddamn sense. And I wrote about it a month ago, and Chuck Fletcher kind of alluded to it yesterday that they want these guys to get those valuable, like that valuable experience in Lehigh with a playoff push, which I get. Like even sending Urson down, like it does make sense, right? Like to be like the backbone. If you're sending Urson down, then you should keep Danoy and Lexel down as well, because Danoy, I mean, Urson can steal a game or two. He's done it more than a couple times this year. But, like, you're taking away the top scorer in Denoye and the point-per-game guy in Ali Lexo. Why? For Den for Denoye, do you, like, do you think that, like, I think everyone's always agreed that he's going to be, like, a bottom six center. But, like, do you see anything more out of him that he could be better than that in the NHL? Denoye is such an interesting character because he racks up a shit ton of points, but he doesn't do it with any kind of flair. He's a good, he, I, I think, like, a light version of Sean Couturier, I think, may be a, a fair comparison on that one. Like, I think his two-way game is fine. It's it's not as good as Couturier's, but it's fine. And he's going to rack up points and goals, but he's going to do it in such unspectacular fashion that it's not going to feel like he did that much. You know, I, I don't remember what he's got. 39 points in 50-some games, 52 games in Lehigh this year, something like that. Like, he racked up a decent amount of points, but he never did it in, like, highlight real fashion. It's not like Morgan Frost was down there, you know, in the few points that he had. So I, I, I think he tops out as a really good 3C. But if the offense does ever come along in the NHL, and again, I think a lot of that's going to come down to, you know, strength of line mates, um, he could definitely hit 2C. But, yeah, I think a really good 3C is probably what you got in Dana at least for now. But no, so like they have like I I understand what they're saying. Like I get it that you don't. Hey, want... listen, if you want to call up your prospects, at least give them ice time in the NHL. Don't fucking sit Lexell in the press box for five games. That's bullshit. Play him in the NHL or send him down to the. That's all I'm asking. You can call up Jackson Cates and let him sit in the fucking press box. Yeah. You're rolling with eleven forwards most nights. Fucking Kiefer Bellows is up there right now. If you're gonna waste this guy's fucking time like that, at least let him get ice time in the AHL to get this team to a playoff. They're on the outside looking in right now, but there's enough. T- there's like 19 games left or something. There's enough time to make the playoffs in Lehigh. You can do it, but you need all hands on deck to do so. And Lexell being in that weird press box eating popcorn all the time ain't doing fucking anybody any favors right now. Pick a direction. Let him play in the NHL or send them to the NHL. That's all I ask right now. This shit drives no, me nuts. No, and I agree because there is some value in what, like, if you take away again that it was Chuck Fletcher who said it, there was some value in what he said yesterday that they want those value, that they want these guys to get valuable experience sure. down there. 
winning. So I guess that's why, like, I understand why they're not going to tear it down to the studs, which I don't even, I think we've discussed, like, you don't really need to do that. There, You don't need to, and there's nothing to tear down in the fucking first place. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, like how much far, like, and that's the other thing, is, like, a lot of people are, like, saying, like, oh, you're going to start a rebuild with, you know, trading JVR for a fourth. It's just like, well, <laughs> you kind of started it last year. Like, even though maybe they weren't vocalizing it, or maybe they didn't even know that they were going to do this, the rebuild kind of started last year. Like last year was rock bottom. It was rock bottom. Like Hopefully. that's what it was. It was just because it was unintentional. This was the first year that they kind of acknowledged just like, yeah, we can't turn this around in one summer and we're going to start building it up and we're going to see what we have in some of these guys. And like, look, like some of the guys, I think most of the guys you found out are NHL players. Like, look, I don't think he's anything more than a 40 to 50 point guy, but you know Morgan Frost can hang in the NHL. Wade Allison is a serviceable bottom six winger. You, I think Cam York has taken major strides this year. I think Sam Urson, you found a, like a crown jewel in him. Like even like fans who like bitch that like oh feel they want they rolled in with Felix Sandstrom. Like did you not have to eventually figure it out what you had in Felix Sandstrom? No, oh, like, fucking they should have played him all the end of last season after Carter Hart got hurt. But no, they had to fucking run Martin Jones every night. You should have been playing Sonstrom last season for most of the year to figure out what you had. But no, you had to make sure Carter Hart destroyed himself again and, and ran with Jones for, for some ungodly reason. So you had to figure it out. Like, even Tanner Luzinski, even if it's primarily injuries, like, is he a guy that's on this team for the foreseeable future? Probably not. So you had, like, there were a lot of players here, holdovers from the Hextall years that, like, people still wanted to champion in a lot of ways. But, like, you still had to, like, figure out what the fuck was going on with these guys. Like, you can't just, like, rely on hopes and dreams forever. And I do think, in that respect, they did well to actually be like, okay, we're going to figure out what they have. Now, there is the question of the high-end talent, which I agree upon. But, like, and that is paramount. And a lot is going to rely on Cutter Gauthier here. But the thing is, is that you have to start somewhere, and they're choosing this road, and I understand. Yeah, so, you know, they got to... <laughs> Who knows if the Phantoms make it? I, I hope that they do. I, as a season ticket holder, I would love to witness some playoff hockey. The last time they made the playoffs was the year before I started going regularly. Um, so, you know, well, well, you, I, there's nothing wrong with calling your prospects up. I think at this point, especially this time in the year, if they do trade JVR and Brown and clear some of this goddamn dead weight in the made roster... You know, if you're going to call up Forster and Brink and Danoy, like that's fine. But if you're going to do that, give them fucking playing time. If you're not going to play, give a, if you're not going to give them playing time, and you're going to let them just sit in the press box, keep them with the AHL, let them play. Uh, that that kind of my whole rant on this one is just, God damn it, Lexall sitting just doesn't do anything for anybody at this point. Well, like I I know we've everyone's taking their shots at Perrier, but how has he been down there? I think he's been fine. I think the Flyers left him very little choice by not giving him any significant veterans, um, which which is good. You know, he has done well with the kids this year, with the exception of Zade Wisdom, who he's had a vendetta with all year for some reason. Is but, he in uh, the ECHL? He's in the EHL roster. He was down for the ECHL. I don't know if he actually played a game or if that just ended up being a paper transaction, but he was down there right before the All-Star game and then got called back up. I don't know if he ever played a game for him or not, but... Uh, 
you know, he's been scratched a couple times, and when he's not scratched, he's pretty much on the fourth line. Um, I don't understand why he hasn't really been moved up the lineup, especially since some of these guys are now in the NHL. But regardless, I think he's the only guy that you can look at and go, that's not good handling of, you know, in terms of somebody that may have a future. Um, so I, I think LaPerriere has done a, a very good job with the kids this year, contrary to popular belief. Well, I mean, it's good that they've at least taken a different approach. And, like, look, there's a, a myriad of reasons to not trust what this front office is going to do. I get that. And I don't, like, blame anyone for feeling, you know, skeptical about believing. But it's like, I guess the question for me is that if it was Danny Briere's face or anyone else's face on everything that's happened this season except for Chuck Fletcher— would people be cheering in the streets? That's my biggest question. Yeah, I've wondered that a lot lately, you know, when looking at some of the extensions dating back to, you know, the wrist line and extension and shit like that. Like, what would people think about this if it was Briere? And maybe it would be different. I think for some people it would. I think and it kind of blows my mind that they haven't promoted Briere yet. Um by that sense, I feel like the longer you wait, the more trust you're killing in him just because when he was, when you first had him up, and you know, I guess the, the experience is an actual thing of giving this guy the job, but he's a fan favorite. You know, he was the, he's yeah. Ron Hextall. You know, you can come in and, and this guy can do whatever the fuck he wants and nobody's going to complain because it's goddamn Danny Breyer. You know, but the longer he kind of sits in the background of this shit front office, you know, I wonder if that name value still holds any weight. But is there any goddamn plan i hear a lot uh, i've heard a lot of fans over the last couple of days on twitter be like oh don't worry you know chuck fletcher's gonna step down this year and Breer's gonna step up is there any actual rumor to that yet or is this just people coping there were a lot of rumors circulating in december you know i think charlie touched on it uh anthony sanfilippo touched on it and I think they got to a point where it was heavily considered between Dave Scott and the advisors. I, I do think there is, if people want to talk about the Flyers Illuminati, I think Chuck Fletcher is really well liked by the advisors, obviously. Um, but I, I could tell you with certainty that it never got to the point where they approached Danny Briere about taking the role. Uh, I had people in the organization telling me that there were a lot of rumors flying around about that in December, but it never got to the point where they were speaking to Danny Briere. But what I can tell you is that Danny Briere was kept around for a reason. And it's no coincidence that as soon as Montreal started seriously kicking tires on him, and it went well beyond kicking tires, that he quickly got promoted from the ECHL to the NHL. There is also a point here, and I know people don't want to hear this, and I understand, is that Chuck Fletcher is a guy that is very well-liked on a personal level, that he did a lot of good things behind the scenes after Ron Hextall because Ron Hextall was a really bad influence behind the scenes. So I do, and you're not going to keep give people jobs because they're a really nice guy. Like, I think I'm, I'm a, a nice Flyers guy. Too. Yeah, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm not going to be like the Prime Minister of Canada anytime soon. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> I uh, or at least you. I think, at least I think I'm a nice do guy. Do Canadians vote for their government? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> it's, um, so I, 
I do think that there's it's twofold here because I thought that if it was going to happen, it was going to happen around the holidays. But it seems as though they're now so far down this path that like the most I could see is like Chuck going just to president and Briere being the GM, which I know that a lot of people would like it like would justifiably kind of shit on. But like that I always felt like the outcome that was going to happen, though. And, and to be honest, if we're being and I've said this a lot about Chuck Fletcher is that like. He is a heavily mediocre GM. Yeah. He is. He's a heavily mediocre, middle-of-the-road, meh general manager. But I think that he looks so much worse in Philadelphia because you brought in a meh, middle-of-the-road, mediocre guy and gave him the keys to the kingdom six months in when Homer stepped aside as president and pretty much gave him a job that like post the 2020 playoffs was like an uphill battle and damn near impossible to save. So, I mean, look, I, I think there's smart people in that front office. I think Brent Flair's done a good job. I think that they've brought in some other guys like Alan McCauley, obviously Briere's in there now, but at this point, I would assume that if a deal was go, uh, if a big move was going to be made, it would be, the Chuck to President, Briere to GM. Which is going to go over just... You're sabotaging Briere at that point by keeping Fletcher around. 100%. But I, I do think one thing that people kind of have to kind of understand is that, like, Briere's been part of this, you know? Like, people shit on Chuck for the Delorier deal. I think that was, like, a torts Briere thing. They shit on like Ristolainen, like uh, like this is speculative, but like I think that it's kind of like a Briere influence, you know. Like he he's not sitting there tied to a chair screaming. Well, oh no, he's involved in all this. Yeah. So like, and it's like you know people like even the Delorier thing. Like I know people just like that's something where I'm just like he's the guy you're really zeroing in on in all of this. You know what I mean? Like, you still need veteran players even in a rebuild. Like, I think one of the Ron Hextall issues is that you brought in a bunch of young guys, specifically on defense, and just played them with bums. And just like, you know, like, by 17-18, you had Provrov with McDonald, like, Giroux and Hagged, I mean, a Ghost and Hag together, like, uh, Sanheim with Gudis on the third pair. Like, you can't just litter your team with young kids and, like, off the waiver wire talent. So I guess all this to say is that like, I guess because they've gone this far down the road here, I think Fletcher will be involved in some capacity, but obviously we can't say, say for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Just heard a lot of people over the last few days on Twitter be like, Oh, you know, at the end of the year, you know, Fletcher's going to stay president and they're going to promote Briere, which again, I do think is the likely outcome at some point, but boy, it sure does not feel like it's going to happen anytime soon. That's not the vibe that this organization seems to be giving off yet. Cause if, if that was the plan, you'd think that Briere would either have already taken that role or, you know, there would be some kind of hint towards it. But man, after that pressure, it sure seems like this guy is still in charge and still call, uh, calling the shots and, and, you know, it's probably not a great thing for multiple different reasons, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll see, but I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, uh, if that title relinquishment is going to happen just yet for Fletcher. Do you think there's any like 
I guess, validability, easy enough for me to say, to what I said about, like, given the situation Fletcher was put in, it's made him look worse than he is? Yes and no. I think being tasked with making something of the shit foundation Ron Hextall left behind is a job he was never going to be able to win. Now, that being said, this guy has shot him in, uh, shot himself in the foot repeatedly. Oh, he's not absolved to blame. I'm just wondering if, like, he wasn't a good, like, he was the middle of the road GM, but because of what Dave Scott wanted him to do and him being the ultimate decision maker, it made it, like, compounded because if he, he wasn't... had more freedom when he first showed, I mean, a lot of a lot of the st- good stuff that he did, it was pretty early on. You're good as oh, yeah, first and, year. Justin Braun and shit like that. You know, that first few years, if you went into the 2020 trade deadline and actually got someone, you know, Pajot was the name I believe we talked about a lot at that time. If you got somebody like that instead of fucking Derek Grant, maybe you could have had something. I'm like, the pandemic and all that shit happened, but you know, and then you go into 2020 and you do okay, you don't want to spend any money. Fine, it's a pandemic. You sign Eric Gustafson. What a goddamn disaster that ended up being. Now he's goddamn win a couple of Toronto this year, but uh, okay, fine, whatever pandemic, you go into 2021, you make all these moves, Ryan Ellis gets hurt immediately and all of it goes to shit, and then you go into this summer, you promise an aggressive retool, you tell Johnny Gaudreau to fuck off, and you burned it. You know, but if he was given more freedom, and again, I would love to kind of know the behind the scenes of, you know, be a fly on the wall. Yeah, or, you know, that first year and a half or so of Chuck Fletcher here and Dave Scott, and we gotta make something of, you know, the Travis Konechny and Provorov era, you know. Bias for action. Yeah, exactly, and and they didn't do that, and you know, if he was allowed to come in and cook, as the kids say these days, you know, maybe things would be a little different, but, you know, the track record this guy had, even in Minnesota, does not scream, you know, Stanley Cup uh, winning team here that uh, uh, would have been anything different. But, yeah, I I do think to an extent he was held back. But I think the last few years have all been, you know, self-imposed shitstorms at this point. Yeah, well, like, it's just ever since they fired Ron, like, they fired Ron Hextel, I'm led to believe. And that's before I was ever remotely plugged in. But shit I've kind of just heard through the grapevine is because he got fired on a whim because he told Dave Scott, don't tell me how to run a fucking hockey team. <laughs> so, like, ah! awesome. I mean, it, it's like he got fired, I believe it was like a Monday afternoon after they got shit kicked in Toronto on Saturday. It was right around Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly. Yeah, exactly. So they really fired him and changed course on a whim. And then in season, in December, you had to you know, find a new general manager, which it came down to him and Zito. And I know everyone champions Zito, but he doesn't impress me that much, to be honest with you. And you choose Chuck Fletcher because obviously the ties with Bob Clark and because he has more of a reputation as like a general manager and all that. And the first year that he's in Philly, you know, he gets rid of Haxtell. He gets rid of the dead weight like Dale Weiss and Christian Folin, Moose Simmons for whatever he could get. God, Christian Folin. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeesh. And uh, and people wish Ron Haxtell was still here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. But, and, you know, and then in the summer, Homer steps aside and he takes on the role, pardon me, as president too. And I say to myself, like, this guy just jumped on a moving train, was given the keys to the kingdom. We didn't even know who the fuck Dave Scott, well, we knew who he was, but we didn't even know what the fuck he looked like before, you know. That's true. Can. Yeah. 
all of a sudden he's super involved because there's no buffer of Paul Holmgren. And now Chuck Fletcher's dealing with Dave Scott as like the ultimate decision maker on hockey ops who doesn't know a goddamn thing about shit, if that even makes sense. <laughs> and like, it's like, I'm not defending Chuck Fletcher because... The lack of president always was was baffling. Um, giving this guy both roles doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not a lot of ways that front offices are constructed. Um, kind of having that that buffer, um, that guy that that guy that knows something that does not have absolute power like Fletcher does, that is not being influenced directly by the owner. You know, one way or the other, there whether it's Scott or Fletcher doing a bulk of the damage. The fact that there that Fletcher holds both roles is a key in all of this in terms of you know how disastrous this front office is set up right now, and the you know the, the shadowy advisors, you know these eighty year old men that are just hanging around in Florida these days doing absolutely nothing. You know. It, it's such a fucked up construction in that front office and you know the the lack of president um is a big factor there the fact that Fletcher holds both roles and you know the fact that he's probably going to keep that president role when when Briere is coronated and it's just uh it's all kinds of fucked up up there and and I guess that kind of goes back to what we've talked about and it goes back to when we were talking about AV like you can fire the guy I don't give a shit but like if you simply fire Chuck Fletcher and give all of his power to Briere or whoever the fuck, but nothing else changes, is every is anything really going to change? Probably not, no. And I think that's like, and look, I do think that, and again, I got a text yesterday about this, that like Dave Scott is on board with a rebuild or whatever the, whatever yeah, rebuild. he's hemorrhaging rebuild. fucking money like crazy, I bet. Like, look, I don't even care rebuild. Like, I, I do hate that a lot of people get caught up in semantics and we start arguing about, like, words and this and, yeah. oh, there's a comet. Like, it's like, come fucking on. Could we, <laughs> could we use our brain for a second? So, like, it's – he's on board with whatever they're doing right now. So I will say, like, at least there is a difference here. Five years too late, we're on board now and on the unified Exa direction of the front office. Great. Exactly. So, but at least he's on board. So there's a part of me that says, let's see what happens with everyone on a realistic playing field. But at the same time, I do understand the point. Where I think just... that only works if they go out and actually get talent. If you can have everyone unified on the same boat with the same direction and you want to add talent, all right, more power to you. Everyone on the same boat in a rebuild, not rebuild, kind of rebuild, rebuild, uh, you know, it just it just feels like more of the same. And I, I wrote a piece, ironically enough, I wrote that rebuild piece that I put up today quite a few days ago. Um, it just so happened to coincide with Fletcher's, uh, Fletcher's presser that was, you know, unannounced at the time. But uh, it's just like, I don't even understand. And, and, and going back to the rebuild thing, and, and whether it's a rebuild or not, and what the fuck, whoever cares. But it's just, you're not going to sell. I find it so unlikely they trade Travis Connecting this year. I mean, they should. If they were smart, they would. But they're probably not going to. And if you're not going to, like, what? Else? you're going to retain half of Hayes' contract for a second-round pick. Like, who the fuck? I, I just None of this makes any sense in terms of where they're at for a rebuild. I think you have enough youth here. I think this time around that youth can be very good if you give them the proper talent, which boils down to making additions, which I've talked about this in the past. This is a stabilization year. You know, I am totally fine with the way this year happened with the contingency that they then went out and added the proper talent. 
And it sure seems like that's off the table now in the name of a rebuild. We're going to piss away another season at least, doing whatever it is they're doing right now, drafting eighth overall and hoping that whoever this guy is is going to come in and fucking save us at the end of the day. You know, it, it just See, it, it's not a rebuild. It's sticking to the same exact path they've been on all these years. I, I do think that they would be in open to adding people in the right age group because you know like obviously larkin resigned today that one breaks my fucking spirit that one i knew it was gonna happen it's not a surprise that larkin resigned with his hometown team to detroit but when the ink actually dried on the paper it felt like being on the titanic and the last fucking the last lifeboat just left you know it's like fuck what do we do now because he would have made so much sense. he would have made so much sense and they should have pursued him now i am highly skeptical the flyers could have cleared nine and a half million dollars to make this signing to begin with but god damn it it's just now especially because that was the last guy on the free agent list that made any kind of sense from a center position um it just it 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 fucking crushes the spirit to know that there's nobody out there in free agency that they're gonna sign which i guess hey somewhere chuck fletcher took a big sigh of relief because now he doesn't have to bite that bullet in three months from now that he has to go out there and make this happen um but god damn it does that suck on a side note it is kind of crazy how like superstars don't make it to free agency anymore eh been, like, uh, well, yeah. like in that age group, like in that like twenty, like if they get to like close twenty five to, to twenty six, yeah, yeah, like it, it, like if you get to like the Gaudreau age group, then yeah, because then everyone's always scared or whatever. And Gaudreau wasn't like a unique situation because he just didn't want anything to do with Calgary. But like, it's crazy that like you know, like remember the summer where the Flyers signed Briere and Drury and Gomez went to New York. Like you don't see those moves anymore it's kind of crazy yeah yeah you, you you just don't very rarely do those players make it and when they do end up not resigning with their team it's a deal like Bo Horvat right he gets dealt and and then signs somewhere else and I think even he's about 28 29 years old himself so yeah that could draw things still hurts I think that's where all this pain stems from well not stems from but but where it kind of got amplified it's just it's one of those things that we can sit here and argue all day long whether or not it was the right move and whether the contract was fine but whatever but man does that fucking hurt because it would have been so like we just said it was the a match made you know it was a, it, there's no reason why he's not here right now there's not one and it just especially from a business side fuck all we've heard about Columbus was you know their season tickets were doubled or what doubled or tripled because of Johnny Gaudreau himself and a hometown guy like this I mean the jersey sales they would have done you would have could have paid his whole fucking contract and the jerseys they would have sold this year from a business perspective it made sense from a hockey perspective it made sense it's just the fact uh, that, it's I, just I mean we fucking crazy man like we differ on it but I mean it's like I don't know I it's I, I kind of the only thing that I didn't understand is like why they led everyone to believe that they would be pursuing him. Like, like remember we talked about like if you had a press conference sometime in June and like openly basically said like we're shifting course, whatever. Like I think they would have saved a lot of goodwill. That that's that's the thing here. And now you've kind of tried to do that and put Torts's face on it. And you know I I understand, but it just it's still. Like, Fletcher finally did it yesterday, but I don't know why it took so long. And that's, I just, I never really understood why the messaging was so complex. Like, it's, like, look, even if you, people, like, you wanted to go after Goudreau, I didn't want to go after Goudreau, who cares? But either way, you should have been transparent with people, no? 
Yeah, if your goal internally was you were never going to go after this guy, why the fuck convince people that you were? Like, I think a lot of people would have been unhappy either way because it's Johnny Gaudreau, the hometown guy. But if you were a little more, if you gave this message this year, like we're going to rebuild, not rebuild, kind of rebuild, rebuild, you know what? Fine, you know, and you don't go after okay. Gaudreau. At least you have that precedent set, you know. Versus we're gonna get aggressive retool and blank checks and all this shit, and you can't fork over nine million dollars for Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, it's um, it's one thing I will say. Well, that well, it's not even I will say, but seeing about what Patrick Kane went for with New York and very similar situation as Giroux. Same agent, no movement clause, handpicked his destination, all in all. How do you look back on the Giroux trade, like, 12 months later? Yeah, it, the Rangers got their guy in Tarasenko, and I believe, did the Panthers make a big trade for, like, Ben Schrott or something right before the Giroux trade as well, taking yeah, away a couple yeah. of those picks? So, you know, the situations were very similar. Um, I think Patrick Kane dicked around way too long <laughs> to make that happen. Uh, you know, if he gave he them the green light, pants. you know, three weeks ago, um, maybe he, maybe that return would have been a little better there. But, you know, the Rangers' hands were tied financially and asset-wise. So, you know, Patrick Kane got his way. Uh, more power to him, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, the, the return at the time for Giroux was, was fine. You know, maybe it could have been more, but everyone fucking hated Tippett because they were told to hate Tippett by some fucking idiots on Twitter. But, you know what? Like, <laughs> so true. It, yeah, it's exactly what happened. But it was fine. A first-round pick, a prospect, and you ditched two, uh, two other guys on top of that. You know, it just, you know, was Remember Rubsov when and people Bunneman. were upset that they dumped Rubsov? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fourth-line AHL guy. It was just too much, man. It was just too much to move. Well, Goss's beard just got traded for a third, and now this is going to be the other meltdown oh, of the century. Who like, got him? Uh, Carolina. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, Carolina. It's, like, even that, like, like, I don't know. Like, I know everyone loses their shit about that, but it's like, dude, the guy wanted to leave. Like and you he tried to give him away for free twice right before he had to trade him. It's, yeah, I, I like, I, I understand it, but it's like... He was he clashed with every coach they had. He wasn't very good for three years. No, like uh, even the first year of AV, when every defenseman was playing really well, he was not playing well. He was pouting. He was he asked for a trade in the middle of the 1920 season, which was the only very good year they had over the last like decade or so. <laughs> Like, it's just, th like, that's kind of a move where it's just, like, it's kind of revisionist history. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's, I don't know, man. Like, nobody, I remember speaking to a GM about that, and it was just like, yeah, no one wanted the guy. Like, it's, now he's on an expiring contract. They get, like, good on Arizona, I guess. But, like, I, I think that's more just one move of many that people didn't like if you will, or that you were, you made that move to clear the money to get wrist aligning, if that makes sense. But he was a fan favorite that wasn't very good, but he was a fan favorite, which there's a <laughs> whole goddamn fan base loves players that aren't very good for some reason. But, you know, a fan favorite that nobody liked that you then used the picks to acquire wrist aligning, right? <laughs> you gave him even more assets, I should say, wrist aligning. Um, which, you know, nobody liked because the analytics told him not to like, right? That's how you know Aristolainen's good this year, by the way, is nobody's saying a goddamn word about Travis Sanheim and nobody's shitting on Aristolainen. <laughs> but one thing that's funny that I just read 
It's a third round pick in 2026. <laughs> so it's a third round pick four drafts from now. Like it's like, and one thing I actually heard Frank Saravalli, I think talk about this is that like, apparently after pick number 24, so pick 24, the first round after that, the chance you have, of drafting a player who will play a hundred games or more is two and a half percent. So are you better off to take a chance on like a prospect or a reclamation project? Because we heard Chuck Fletcher talk about that and everyone got all fucking mad and just said, no, just take the draft pick. Or are you, so are you better off to take a reclamation project or just a younger guy or give up JVR for like, a fourth round pick or a third round pick or whatever. I'm not talking about Greenway because I hate his contract, but I mean, just in general. And it kind of lends me to this whole notion is that I think a lot of people get some visual satisfaction by seeing like a draft pick fourth and higher. And I don't know if it's like the Ron Hextall, like, yeah, it is. It's the Ron Hextall, the Ron Hextall mentality that dies hard is you just want to collect draft picks. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. You want to collect them and hype them up for all these years. So, and I don't know. I'm all for reclamation projects for certain roles. This fucking Greenway thing is, is blew my fucking mind that they wouldn't even attempt to do that. But I, I will say that I think that was a lot of connecting the dots and I did it too. So I'll take my responsibility, but like I asked, two separate sources, one from the Flyers end and one from the Winnipeg end, and I was told that there was no truth to that. Thank so. God, because I, I, <laughs> it was one of, Minnesota's one of the teams that I just don't give a single fucking shit about. I don't care. I don't follow even in the slightest. But I remember a couple of years ago Jordan Greenway's name being relatively prominent. Then I looked up his numbers, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? This guy you know, doesn't even score 30 points. He's Holy big. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was baffled by that one. So, you know, but t- going after Jesse Pugliarvi, like, that would have been smart, right? You know, there there are reclamation projects that can make it happen, and the Flyers have had some success with that. Owen Tippett, Ristolainen, you know, you can snipe players on other teams, bring them in, and make them something here that, that don't succeed in their current roles. Especially you know, that you have torts now. Yeah, now you have torts who's going to, you know, work these fucking idiots to the bone. It makes sense. Not all of them make sense. It was, again, this Greenway thing was fucking mind-blowing. That would have been dumb as shit. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of those guys that I think I would not hesitate to take chances on over getting some random draft pick, you know, and just kind of wasting that kind of... All that does is punt the ball down the line for four or five years when you realize they're not going to be very good. Right and and yeah, I think a lot of that hangover from draft picks and whatnot still stems from uh, the the Hextall mentality dying hard. Well, like I remember, and I was one of those people. Like when they traded Ronaldo for a third, which again, you make that trade right because what the fuck is Zach Ronaldo? But like, yeah. you drafted Kirill Ustamenko, never played a game in the NHL, went back to Europe. So like, I do think there is like a certain over evaluation of draft picks. Like, look, like. Even this JVR thing right now, like everyone's freaking out that he's not traded. Do you not think if they would have been willing to give him up for like a fourth or a fifth, they could trade him by now? No. Like, of course, of course. But you're going to get that anyway. Like you're like if you at two o'clock on Friday, if you send out an email and said whoever wants him for a fourth or a fifth round pick, he's yours. Someone's going to take him. Right. Like, Will they? You sure about that? Derek Broussard went for a fourth round pick. Derek Broussard was also good at hockey. 
<laughs> but you know what I mean? You get the gist of what I'm saying, right? That like, and it's just like, I can't, like, I just think there's kind of like a, a, a visual obsession with like running to cap friendly, you know what I mean? And like seeing all like the compiled draft picks and you should, you should give up draft picks, but I don't think it should be the end all be all, if you will. And th there's another part of this, and I, I always defer to you because you watch the Phantom so up close, is that like they want to trade anyone under the sun who's older than X age. Like they want Delory off the team. They want Brown off the team. They want Sealer. They want D'Angelo. Like trade everyone, get rid of everybody. But then they talk like you've been watching the Phantoms. They're having a good year, the playoff run, all this. Do you think there would be like a risk to like gutting the entire like bottom six, bottom pair and just filling them with kids who may not be ready and would be best served playing a bigger role in the AHL? At this point in time, I think they're already kind of doing that with Danae and Lexel because that's kind of the roles they've been playing when they've been up. Um, you know, if you're going to call up Tyson Forrester, put him on the fourth line, it doesn't make any sense, right? It was the, the it always did this with Morgan Frost, a couple, you know, was last year they didn't make the team out of the gate and they were mad Nate Thompson did. So, yeah, <laughs> you exactly, know, you want to yeah. remove Nate Thompson and let Frost play four minutes a night in the fourth line, whereas he could be top liner in the AHL. Yeah, you know, you don't want to pigeonhole those guys out of the gate. If you're going to call them up to the NHL, and we just did this rant with Lexal, if you're going to call them up to the NHL, they better be playing legitimate minutes and not either scratched or playing no time um, at this point in time, especially when the franchise's goal now is to make the fucking playoffs in the AHL. You know, you better uh, utilize those guys smartly. Um, so in that sense, it, it you know, it is what it is, but... If you're going to, you can call up your players up. I don't give a shit if you got the AHL as long as they're getting, you know, time in, at the NHL. If you get rid of JVR and then plop, you know, Lexcel in the top line, you move Forrester to the middle. So you can make shit happen, but I don't know if they're going to do that. Well, I meant more like if you trade Sealer and D'Angelo, just for argument's sake. You should absolutely call up Zamula and Adderd. Like, do you think that they would be better off playing third pair in the NHL than top pair in the AHL? It's time to see what you got with these two. Because you may Both need them, them next yeah. year. Yeah. Zamula particularly added more out of curiosity. I think he's come a long way since the beginning of January. Um, They've been trying to like rebuild his game, right? They want him to play more defensively structured, even if that means giving up offense. And so like Ristolainen? Yes. I think Similar. he's more of like a Shane Gossesbear style kind of guy. Um but he's got a fucking amazing shot from the point, though. I can't believe they don't utilize that more. But, you know, earlier in the year, he was scoring a lot of points, and then he went real cold during November and December, and then he's kind of been doing a little bit of both now because he was working on that defense thing. So I like Adderd. I, I think, especially next year, unless they re-sign Justin Braun again, you're going to need <laughs> a right-shot guy. So Adderd and Zamula should theoretically overthrow Nick Sealer at some point. You know, I would, those are two guys that I think it's more crucial at this point to give them NHL minutes and let them adjust in the last 15 or so games that they got here than it is gathering significant ice time, but not playing against NHL competition. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. It's very, it's interesting because then theoretically next year you're getting Andre and Samson, right? Yes. Who are going to be coming. So that that's, seems like the plan. Yeah. It, it's crazy that. And it just oh, goes back to what we said, and even Mark Seidel said it, about how they have a very good pipeline of, like, NHL serviceable middle-of-the-road guys. Like, isn't it crazy that, like, they've done a good job? And I guess, again, like, you've been down the Phantom, so I defer to you. Like, 
have you seen a tangible difference in like the Brent Flair guys compared oh, to the Hexel guys? Substantially different. Really? And, uh, I think ceiling wise, you know, the, the age, I mean, last time the Phantom was really good was, you know, the peak of Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim and Sam Moran and shit like that. You know, the forwards are a little lackluster at that point where they had a lot of veteran guys, but you know, the, the, the potential of what I'm watching is certainly better. Now it's a matter of whether or not they get to the NHL and succeed at that level, which is always, you know, the big problem with this stuff. Um, but overall I do like what I'm seeing prospect wise a lot more because I think they're developed much better in a way that's going to make them succeed you know phil myers i will attest to this day is the best player i've ever watched live i fucking love phil myers that guy was awesome but the things that made him awesome were his offensive ability the fact that he could cycle a puck by himself on the power play you know it's the kind of shit that you cannot do in the nhl and it ultimately set him up for failure so i i do think the fact and, and as we talked about that or they're kind of trying to get him to play defense and i think he's done a decent enough job at that um where you're crafting him for an nhl style game rather than letting him play to their strengths which they've kind of done in the past and you know they're there it, it does annoy me that they do it and we're seeing torts do it with allison at the nhl level right now like allison kind of made a career crashing the net and being just a fucking loose cannon offensively. And he was really good because of it. And now that he's in the NHL, Torts is trying to cut that shit out and make him play a better, stronger game. You know, so if you have a coach in the NHL like Tortorella that can craft these guys into something, you can probably have a bit looser system in the AHL. But having a system in the AHL and then a coach like Tortorella in the NHL, you know, I think a lot of these guys do hold a much higher success rate um if and when they do get recalled and again i hope that you see some of these guys either at towards the end of the season or early next year kind of make the post uh make their main roster i should say um we shall see who and we talked about this last week like i am totally fine well <laughs> maybe not totally fine i don't think it's the right way accepting accepting of another year of pissing this shit away if brink and forrester and zamula and Adderd and you know all these guys kind of get their feet at the nhl and really make a move you know just go com- give me a team of like sub 25 year olds you know and just kind of let them learn get their shit together figure out who's good and who's not and then add the following something like that i would not be totally opposed with this point i don't know if they're gonna do it because it would require a lot of selling and as we talked about they're a bunch of goddamn idiots that don't actually want to rebuild so whether that you know happens or not uh, but I, I do like for the most part here and we haven't even seen most of the guys that they've drafted yet either so yeah. you know we shall we shall see how this goes but yeah I, I really like bobby brink i think he's my favorite hockey player right now he feels he's like a, he, high iq eh? oh he's just fucking great He's one of those guys, you know, his offense is kind of hit or miss. I believe he's got like 16 points in 22 games in uh, the AHL, but he's one of those guys that you always hear, well, he plays the game the right way. And you go, well, well okay, that's, you know, random scout talk. What the Cliche, fuck does that mean? Yeah. You know? And then you see him and like, he's five foot eight and he is tiny as fuck out there. You can tell when you watch him live just how small this guy is, but he's crashing the net. He's board battling. He's throwing checks. <laughs> like This is, this guy is busting his fucking ass despite the size. And, and that's the kind of shit that I absolutely love. And I think he's going to be a torts guy. This seems like a guy who's going to work well with, with John Tortorella in the future. So, you know, if the offense follows him, great. Um, if not, then, you know, you got a really good third liner on your hands that, that, that can do a little bit of anything. So I like him. Forrester still needs to 
lock up some consistency offensively. Um, he's kind of been a little disappointing when it comes to that in terms of putting the team on his back and being the true top guy. But uh, he's got the energy, got the, the, the fight in him. I like him. I do like a lot of these guys. Zamul and Adderd are great. Adam getting his fucking surprised the fuck out of me this year. This guy's awesome as well. I don't know whether he's ever going to be an NHL or not, but certainly compared to all the shit people talked about this guy before they ever watched him play a game. Um, he's been, I'm, I'm totally fine with Adam Jennings this year. So there, there is, so based on what I'm hearing from you is like, there's reason to be optimistic on some level about what they have. It's just that they're missing the crown jewel or two. Right. I don't doubt for a second you've got an entire team's worth of NHL caliber players in the system right now. You know, Owen Tippett, Wade Allison, Bobby Brink, Tyson Forster, Ollie Lexell, Dane Those are all guys that are more than likely NHL caliber players, but they're middle six at best kind of guys. You know, it's, it's, I don't think any of them possess true star power. Um, you know, maybe some of the unknowns, maybe Gautier shows up sooner or later and makes it happen. Maybe Forster makes that jump sooner or later. But for the time being, there's nobody here that you look at and go, this is your next top line guy. This is the can't miss talent. This is the, you don't have that. Um, and you really don't have that on the main roster right now either. You know, there's some guys that are better than others in Tippett. And, but even then, you know, in a perfect world, what role, you know, what kind of role is Owen Tippett going to play? Probably a second liner, right? So it's just, you're really legitimately missing that thing. And that's, that's why, that personally, I think that's why I get angry at the thought of a rebuild is you're, this team is far closer to being competitive than I think people realize if you don't pay attention well, to the players in the system. But it's just it is, yeah. about going out of your way to acquire those two or three players that could change things. If you plopped, you know, Larkin and Pasternak, who probably neither one of them now are going to hit free agency, if those two became available and you secured them this year, you got a playoff team on your hands because you have the talent to make that happen. Like, I do not, by any fucking stretch of the imagination, hate the Flyers roster as currently constructed. I actually like them. I like what the AHL is doing. I like the overall kind of, if this team were just to let simmer by itself with no intrusion from Chuck Fletcher and the goddamn idiots in the front office, and you just let these guys go, I would have no problem with any of this. Because I like the direction that they're doing. And if you had a fucking competent general manager who just added players and did his fucking job... This would be a good team right now. If you added Gaudreau last summer and signed Larkin this year, and you fucking got... It's just, you could have fucking had something here. But no, we're going to sit here with our fucking thumb up our ass for a whole other goddamn year because we just got a fucking rebuild on a team that doesn't need it seven years after you should have started a goddamn rebuild. And I think that's why they're very resistant to use that term. Because I do think they're going to make an addition if it makes sense for them. I, I, he did say they're looking for high-end talent. Now, whether they fucking secure, it's a whole different goddamn story. But at least he acknowledged that this roster needs talent. So well done, Chucky. Well, let, let's be honest. Everything he said yesterday, take away Chuck Fletcher. Like, cut his face off and put Danny Glubriere's <sighs> face. Gladly cut his fucking face off. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, did he say anything that wrong yesterday? I do think he was smart by not using the word rebuild. 
because last year he was the term aggressive retool and it was his downfall as a general manager People really still crucified yep. at the state it, it was his gigantic mistake is locking himself into one path and i think the one takeaway yesterday he did not use the term retool you know he said he wanted to protect the young guys and build off the youth and he said he's looking to acquire talent you know there was no path of a legitimate rebuild here they didn't say we're going to gut this fucking team and start over again no but Which they, they probably shouldn't no, like you the, said. there's nothing to fucking gut but you know, he kept the door open enough while hinting at a rebuild. Like uh, it was not, it was not the best presser he could have held. But I think, considering he's a dead man walking at this point, it's about as well as he could have played that. All things considered, um, so yeah, you know, he did not commit himself to one path or another yesterday. Which you know, kudos to Chuck Fletcher. You learned from your mistake last year and uh, didn't replicate it again this year. Like, I, I do think, well, we said this yesterday, or yesterday, like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I do think that some people get caught up with semantics a lot. Like, I had one person respond to me, like, no, I need a three to five year plan mapped out by month. I was just like, well, they're not going <laughs> to, like, dude, like, what? Like, I get this being... is what we're doing in April, and this is what we're doing in May. <laughs> it's like, Huh. They're not going to do that. Like, like, could they have done it better? Yes. But like, even like, you know, like they put towards his face on these letters, right? Which like, if you had half a brain, like you were just like, okay, they're angling towards a rebuild here or whatever you want to fucking call it. But they put towards his name on it. And then the narrative became, oh, it's torts versus versus Chuck. Yep. And you know, like, we were led to believe that every day they went into the fucking skate zone and had a boxing match with Brent Flair refing them, you know? <laughs> like, it's like, I, I do believe that there are some things that Tortorella is dictating. I think that he was giving carte blanche. But I do think that Tortorella was brought in here to tell them, what do we have to do? Because you're going to be in the room. You're going to find out about these guys. And I think that, you know, you've heard a lot of people say, like, Tortorella, like, didn't expect it to be this bad. Like, I don't know, man. Like, this guy's been around the block. He was analyzing them with ESPN. Like, maybe he didn't know how bad it was. But, like, he was talking about a splintered room before the fucking season yep. started, you know? Like, he knew that this was, like, a reclamation project. Maybe he didn't think it. But, like, I I do think that a lot of people have tried to make this bigger than what it was if that makes like do you subscribe at all to the tortorella versus chuck fletcher stuff i think there's probably more going on there that meets the eye um you know i i like i said i don't think you have they're having a boxing match every day but uh, there probably is some level of um unrest between the two and their overall opinions on the team um, I think Tortorella knows what he wants, and as the guy who's probably there in a little more in the trenches than Fletcher is, he probably is right. Um, you know, I, I do trust Tortorella when it comes to this kind of assessment. I'm annoyed that they want to take more time to fucking piss away and waste, but at the end of the day, I, I do trust, uh, you know, Tortorella at this point. Whereas, so you're still invested in Torts? Yes. I've already, I've already seen people start to call for his firing, by the way, which I think oh is fucking hilarious that we're going to burn through the 15th coach in the last three years or whatever we're at now. But, uh, yeah, I'm full on Team Torts at this point. Yeah, you know, I, again, would love to be a fly in the wall when those two talk. And uh, you know, especially after with this current shitstorm and the team and, and this, how this trade deadline is going. Um, 
but uh yeah i don't know uh, i, I um, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well like look i mean who like maybe i'm just not hearing the right stuff but it's like I think that they brought him in to basically tell uh, tell the team or the management group, which is maybe an indictment on the management group as well. Yeah. But I think that, like, you brought in towards be like, yo, you got to figure out who's part of this and who's not. And, like, you're going to give us carte blanche here. And, like, the one thing I've heard about, you know, with the Provorov stuff, and I thought about this, like, save for Nick Sealer, he's the only guy that hasn't been in – Tortorella's doghouse and I was told last week that like Tortorella loves players who exert effort and like they play every shift game and game out leave their shit out there and that he really respects pro from a on ice perspective of course and I wonder like do you think maybe Tortorella's saying like yo you can't get rid of this guy like I understand that we're rebuilding and shit but if you get rid of him like there's no fucking steps forward. Yeah, that's kind of been uh, the problem with this Provorov thing is, you know, he's rocked the boat quite a bit off the ice. Like I if I was a bet man, I would assume he doesn't want to be here himself. Um but from an on-ice perspective, I don't know how the fuck you go about replacing him right now with this current team. And you know, you do have Zamul and Adderd coming, but I don't think either one of them are good. York is fine, but I think it's a little too early to make this call one way or the other what kind of player he ends up being. And Sandheim's a piece of fucking shit that they signed for eight years. So, you know. <laughs> I, I've heard through the grapevine that he fucking hates Sandheim, which is hilarious. Which, hey, good. He should. This guy fucking sucks at his job. But, I've heard uh, through the grapevine, so, like, this isn't a direct source that I heard it from. It's just a grapevine, so it's more, don't take it as a report or anything, but I heard that like he feels like Sanheim only plays well when nothing's on the line. Yeah. So very obvious uh <laughs> things here that uh you know anybody should be able to make but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the big question with Provorov is you know it, it may be time to come uh to to part ways with the guy. But you know, what are you doing in the interim here? And, uh, you know, are you, do you trade him for a first-round pick and prospect X? You know, is that good enough? Do you trade him for a reclamation project X? Is that good enough? You know, as long as Jacob Chikrin has not been traded yet, there you're, there's no market set for something like this, and apparently they're being shut down left and right asking for too much. So, you know, I, 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 I don't know where this saga goes. I would be... At this point, I feel like I'd be surprised if Pro Rob is here next year, but... I don't know, man. I, I still, from an on-ice perspective, I don't know what the fuck you do with Provorov, um, you know, in his absence, because you really have not had to deal with this, and I don't think this team is primed to deal with the uh, post-Provorov era just yet by the lack of uh, on-ice talent on the defense. Well, it's just, you know, like, I remember some with the Flyers telling me that, like, from a defense, like, you know, he has his limitations, you know, with decision-making with the puck and all that, and... You know, we know, like, what he struggles with. But, like, from a defending standpoint, specifically on the penalty kill, I was told that, like, you know, they feel like he's one of the better guys in the league in a lot of ways. And I think that it's not a stretch because a lot of these elite players now, these defensemen, are just elite moving the puck up the ice. Like, Provorov has a big value on this team. It's just that, like... He's not that standalone number one guy who can carry everyone. Yep. And I think that you've even seen a lot of progress with him under Tortorella, 
with different partners and unideal partners. And, you know, you still see how much time he's eating. Like he's never been in the doghouse. He's no, he's playing a lot of minutes and not even on the power play. So like he's come to terms with that. And I think that Tortorella is a guy that like, I think ice time tells you a lot about a player when they're playing under, under John Tortorella. And I think it's notable what Tortor, what pro ice time has been this year. And, I just I don't see how this team takes a step forward by moving him and not replacing him with someone equally better. Yep. Yeah, I don't know, uh, you know, if Provorov just had a partner, you know, maybe things would be a lot different over the last handful of years. And if you get rid of Provorov and just coronate York in that role, you still need a fucking top right partner. And they're not going to find that naturally in the wild of this year. So you're going to need to make a trade and they're not going to do that because they're fucking rebuilding. Well, the way I look at it, is that right now you have a hole on your top right side. Yes. If you trade Provorov, now you have two holes on your top pair. Yes. That's how I look at it. Pretty much. You're you're kind of... And the one thing with Sanheim here, with the extension, the one thing that I think saves this is that it feels like a lot of defensemen get extended to these deals and then could still be traded. Like, don't you feel like that's been happening a lot in the NHL? Probably. I know a lot of them are rumored to be traded. I don't know if there's one off the top of my head that, you know, has has been moved. Burns did last year, but I don't know what the hell his contract looks like off the top of my head anymore. But, but, yeah, so there's a lot of irons in the fire for sure. That's putting it nicely, yeah. (laughs) Well... I don't think anything else broke while we were uh, recording here. Twitter's melting down over this gossip thing, believe it or not. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's not something I particularly waste my time with. No, that's not one I'm going to even entertain. But, um, yeah, two days from now, everyone, JVR will still be a flyer. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what the return is for that. He and Brown and Braun are all going to be... Resigned. If they resign JVR, I quit. I'm setting in stone right now. I quit. That's my line. It's my line in the sand. I know I've tried to quit quite a few times over the last couple of years, but this is the one. This is the one. JVR comes back, I'm done. Going off into retirement, rooting for a new fucking team that doesn't fucking suck. (sighs) Main Mariners. Sure. Do they suck? I don't know what they're doing. I think Pascal LaBerge is a main Mariner, so there you go. Flyers legend. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, goddamn Pascal LeBert. Fuck! <laughs> <sighs> All right, everyone. Before we talk about something else that gets me angry, <laughs> we'll uh, call it a day here. Like I said, we'll be back Friday night, Mike and Manny talking uh, trade deadline and what does and does not happen on that. And uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff on the website, probablypuck.com. Check it out! And uh, at the end of the flyer, probablypuck and probably underscore pod. And uh, Anthony, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Demarco 25 All right, everyone. Until next time, goodbye and good night.